Hello and welcome to the Blackadder's Employment Team Podcast, where we are your very own employment lawyers in your pocket. We are aiming to help you navigate the murky and often contentious world of employment law and make sure you keep on the straight and narrow with your staff. This is season one, where we're covering disciplinary hearings. Our aim in this season is to guide you through conducting your own disciplinary procedures from start to finish and making sure that you keep in tow with the law. So, it's a sad day, we're actually on episode 8, it's the final episode of the season. It's amazing that. (laughs) And this episode um, is aimed at managers and business owners who need to conduct disciplinary proceedings. This includes from disciplinary hearings, where any of the outcomes could be right from verbal warning up to dismissal or even summary dismissal. Now, during the series, we have hopefully given you eight essential steps towards conducting a fair dismissal procedure, and throughout the series, we'll be focusing on misconduct. So we're not talking about performance-related dismissals here, or ill health, purely misconduct or gross misconduct. Now, if you're unsure to decide about whether something's misconduct or not, listen to our first episode, step one, where do I start? Now, We've covered how to communicate a fair dismissal in episode 6 and we also looked at how to deal with the tricky situation of an employee who dodges and doesn't show up for a disciplinary hearing. That was episode 7. Today we're going to put the final piece in the puzzle. Episode 8, step 8, covers how do I handle an appeal against dismissal. Now, to help me answer the question today, I'm joined again by my colleague Andrew Wallace. You're allowed back again, Andy. How are you doing? <laughs> Morning, Jack. I'm good, thanks. I'm surprised the gaffer has allowed us uh, free reign to run another podcast with that one, particularly after the interesting last podcast. <laughs> Indeed, it feels kind of a little bit like heavy pressure to perform in the absence of our esteemed leader. <laughs> I'm sure, sure we can manage to keep it on topic to keep the boss happy. I don't, don't want to be subjected to a disciplinary procedure, especially after all the great advice we've given over the last uh, seven episodes. But... I know, I know. It would be a bit sort of ironic if it fell down at the final hurdle. Um Well, we'll do our best and let's get back to the topic. What are we talking about today? Appeals. So, still a fundamental part of any fair process. You've had your fair share of uh, situations where appeals have been hot topics, Andy, recently? Yeah, certainly I've had to advise on my uh, share of appeals lately. seems to be the flavour of the month for some reason. Uh, The starting point is to flag that a right of appeal is a fundamental part of an overall fair procedure. So when the employee is given a letter of dismissal, it should clearly tell the employee about the right of appeal and how to utilise it. That right. Yeah, that's a good point. So you're talking about these things, would there usually be a time limit for the employee to put the appeal in? Uh, It's normally quite sensible to have a a reasonable time limit in there. You want to give uh, the employee enough time to certainly consider whether they want to appeal and formulate their arguments, but you don't want it to be dragging on and on and on. Um, Sort of seven days is quite a common uh, common time period. I mean, I did have one client that had a 20-day period, which uh, is a bit too long in, in my view. I mean... Typically, the employee will wait until the, the very last day to lodge their appeal as well. Seems to be human nature when you're dealing with a deadline that you leave it to the last minute. But 20 days does seem quite excessive. Um, uh, you sometimes hear about situations if the employee's on holiday or something, then you maybe get a slight extension to that. Um, what about the talking about personnel then, in terms of who should handle the appeal? And who would you say, from an employer's perspective, is the ideal candidate for the hot seat? Uh, it's somebody that's not been involved in the, the proceedings before now. They should have a completely neutral perspective and shouldn't be swayed by anything that's happened uh, beforehand. And ideally, it should be somebody that's uh, more senior to the person making the, the decision to dismiss. I mean, yep. uh, it's obviously going to be hard for somebody 
below below their boss to overturn a decision. Although I would love to overturn some of Simon's decisions sometimes. But <laughs> I'm sure plenty of his decisions are certainly overturnable, Andy. <laughs> so it's all about the ACAS code of practice then, basically. That's where that stems from, isn't it? Uh, employers need to be mindful of the ACAS code of practice at all times. Eh? Yeah. People who have been listening to this podcast, they must be sick hearing about the ACAS code, Andy. Yeah, no, you're you're, de- you're definitely right. I'm certainly sick of talking about it, but uh, on, on a serious note, the employers uh, need to follow this as it is the Bible for disciplinary procedures and it does apply to all employers, uh, no matter what their own procedures say. I mean, as we've already said, the appeal chair should, uh, shouldn't be previously involved in the case. It needs to be somebody that's entirely impartial. Obviously, that'd be more problematic for smaller organisations, but uh, yeah. there, are, there are ways around that. Totally agree. So... If, for example, you've got one manager that does the investigation, then the director does the disciplinary hearing, potentially the chairman or chairwoman or another director would be the appropriate person for the appeal. Yeah, something like that. Although, uh, that said, we have been involved in cases where, as I say, it is a really small organisation with limited numbers of people to hear appeals. In such a case, it would be okay for the same person to hear the disciplinary and appeal, but best avoided if possible. Yeah. I do recall Simon had a case uh, when I was a trainee and it was on that exact point. This was one where uh, the guy was the owner of a small company and he did the investigation, the disciplinary hearing and the appeal. He did it all, the whole shebang, all three stages himself. And the reason for that was because there was genuinely nobody else available uh, and he maintained an open mind throughout the process. The tribunal found this to be fair. It was quite a quite a funny case, that one, actually. That was one where Aye. midway through the, the guy's evidence, he started going, I got a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> so it was quite, quite random, but uh, Simon always likes telling me that tale. Well, while he was on oath. While he was on oath, he felt the need to break into the, I think it's the Black Eyed Peas from memory who sang that had, song. Had the employment judge react to that? I don't think she knew where to look, to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, but you're right. It's all about the size and administrative resources of the uh, employer. Um, okay, so now we've established um, the sort of the groundwork and we've got the right person in the job to hear the appeal. What about actually when we get there to the meeting, what are the top tips about that, Andy? Uh, well, the usual rules uh, that apply to normal disciplinary hearings apply to appeal hearings as well. You've got to allow the employee to bring a companion, such as a work colleague or a union rep. Uh, you should have a note taker present on behalf of the company. Then it's a case of using the employee's letter appeal, uh, which can be a, a handy agenda. And it is quite often worthwhile just uh, limiting the discussions in the appeal to what's uh, included in the employee's appeal letter. Okay, so would we typically expect the employee to put their specific grounds of appeal in writing then? Absolutely. Uh, there is no sense in just putting in an appeal that says, I want to appeal. If the employee doesn't specify grounds of appeal in their letter, the employer should write back and seek clarification of these. Okay. Um, so turning to the meeting itself then, the employee should be asked to go through the grounds of appeal to expand on these, explain each point and give relevant evidence. A couple of years ago, I was note-taking at a, an appeal meeting. I won't say where, <laughs> but uh, this was one where the employee had put in a fairly detailed appeal letter and then when it came to the meeting, uh, she just sat there looking all gormless and looked at the person and said, well, it's all in my letter. And of course, that's not the purpose of an appeal meeting. You know, the appeal meeting is the employee opportunity to state their case, raise any new matters to the employer's attention. Uh, at the end of the day, you've lodged an appeal, so you do the speaking at the meeting. It's not for the employer just to, to sit there. Indeed, and if new evidence does crop up, then the employer should remain open-minded and, if appropriate, adjourn the meeting to allow any necessary investigations that have sort of been brought up during the appeal hearing. 
Definitely. Andy, I'm going to test your legal knowledge here. <laughs> Talk to me about Taylor versus OCS Group. This is a big case about appeal chat. That is the case to turn to when, you, when you're discussing appeals and the, <laughs> their fairness in the overall procedure. Have you got the citation? <laughs> oh, he's testing me too. I don't have it on me. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know it either, but... but um, you can get it off Google if you need it. Aye, I know you can't see, but I do have my hands up listening to this. This case does provide the authority, whether you've got the citation or not, <laughs> that procedural errors in the disciplinary process uh, can be cured on appeal, which is great news for the employers. In this case, the employer hadn't ticked all of the boxes to comply with fair process at the early stage. However, because the appeal procedure took all of the issues into account, this rectified the earlier breaches. Yep. Absolutely right, Andy. It's a good case and it can sometimes be a saving grace for employers, particularly if the first part of the dismissal procedure has been, for want of a better word, a shambles. You probably recall one of the first tribunals that you came along to with me um, when this was one where the employment judge was fairly critical of the disciplinary procedure. Remember, this was the dope smoker. I certainly do remember it, yeah. The, the judge was fairly critical of the disciplinary manager didn't listen to all of the um, didn't listen to all of the employees' points, or at least didn't investigate some of the employees' points, and just laughed them off as being invalid. Now the judge was critical of that, but thankfully the person who conducted the appeal corrected those procedural errors and went back and looked into and investigated these points. The judge did say in the judgment, had it not been for the appeal, it would have been an unfair dismissal. So. Sometimes it can be handy tactic. Sounds like a bit of a lucky escape for you, JB. No luck, Andy. You were there. You saw it. That was just all down to slick advocacy. Another another good win for JB under the belt. <laughs> okay. So, my final thoughts about the appeal process. Um, I guess the employer needs to take everything into account. If new points crop up during the meeting, then the employer has to investigate these and then bring the meeting to a close, do a wee bit of deliberation. Just like our earlier advice for disciplinary hearings, it's better to adjourn the meeting and have some thinking time. Even if the person's mind is made up already, uh, they want to give the impression that it is a fair and genuine process. So best avoid the Blue Peter, here's what I prepared earlier (laughs) job, uh, where the letter rejecting the appeal is already drafted and handed over at the end. Sometimes happens, doesn't it? It certainly does. Okay, Coke. Tell me then, Andy, we've covered a fair bit of ground here in relation to appeals. What would be the three takeaway points for employers? Uh, Number one, certainly, is to make sure that the person conducting uh, the appeal hearing hasn't been involved in the procedure previously. Good one, good one. Second tip, I would say make sure that the employee has confirmed the appeal grounds in advance of the meeting so that you can have some structure. Yeah, and lastly... uh, be sure to remember that you can use the appeal to cure any earlier defects in the procedure to avoid unfair dismissal. So although an appeal hearing can be a bit of a hassle for employers, it is important to bear in mind that it can actually be used for their own benefit as much as the employees. Absolutely. Right, Andy, great stuff. Uh, thanks for joining me today. And thanks as well for everyone to for listening to the podcast. It's kind of an emotional day, isn't it, Andy? Season one completed. Season one completed. It's a wee bit like, you know, when you finish The Sopranos, what are you going to do with your life? Um, basically, that's the end of the first season for the, for us guys. Watch this space. Hopefully, we will be producing a new season, season series, whatever. And um, <laughs> if you've got any employment law topics that you would like to hear about, please do tweet us. Similarly, feedback. We like feedback, eh, Andy? Absolutely. 
nice comments preferably but uh, if you have any constructive criticism then please get in touch and give us some ideas for uh, our second seasons because we're a bit blank at the moment but we'll think of something we've got a blank canvas which yeah. could be dangerous but let's see we'll work with it <laughs> and as always if you would like to tweet us it's employer Andy or employer Jack or use the hashtag elip e-l-i-y-p <laughs> in your pocket and a final word for the gaffer you can also tweet him although he's given us free reign to, to, <laughs> to wrap the, the series up at employer Simon please also uh, tweet him as well cheers and cheerio cheerio